Hello, everyone. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. So I'm the um, facilitator for this evening. I hope I tackle the subject reasonably. So um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we begin another session this Friday, I pray that you begin with us. Um, may the um, subject that I'm speaking on may impact us in a positive way. And for those that might be in need of the message that I'm going to pass across, um, Father, let it um, comfort them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah. Um, host, can I share my screen, please? Just a minute. Where is that? Oh, I thought I stopped sharing. I didn't know I was still. Okay. Yeah, you can do that now. Okay. Oh, okay. So um, the title for our discussion this evening is um, what can I do with my guilt? Hmm. Yeah. So um, I'll start with um, description of guilt. So um, according to the dictionary, um, guilt is is a fact or state of having committed an offense, a crime, a violation or wrong, especially against moral or panel law. Uh -huh. Now in um, First Timothy 4, 1 to 16, but I'll just read one and two. It says that now the spirit speaketh expressively that in the later time, some shall depart from faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh -huh. Um, chapter 2 says that, um, verse 2 says that speaking lies in hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with hot iron. Uh, now, their conscience seared with hot iron is basically them feeling guilty over the wrongs that they have done by the seduction of the evil spirit. Uh, now, um, the Mariam Webster Dictionary also describes guilt as feelings of deserving blame, especially for imagined offenses or from a sense of inadequacy. Guilt can also be either subjective or objective. Now by objective, I mean that um, in a societal law or governing law or federal law, um, guilt, sorry, um, yeah, in societal law, governing or federal laws, um, rules and laws may either be objective, but then we can either disagree with those laws, which makes them objective because um, subjective because you're not um,
Sorry, um, read makes them objective because it's not um, heavenly or God's law. However, we are also um, subjective with God's rules and laws, which means that God is the supreme lawgiver. So his law and his rules supersedes those of the societal laws, those mm. of the governing of federal laws. And every living creature on earth is held accountable for conforming to his mandate. Hence, we experience guilt when we break God's laws. So basically, while we can disagree with um, societal laws, we really can't disagree with God's laws because it remains um, supreme. Uh-huh. And then, um, according to Kambi Dictionary also, um, it describes guilt as a feeling of worry or unhappiness that you have because you have done something wrong that cause harm to another person. Uh. Now, there are, however, people that do not feel guilt after committing a, um, a crime. Um, or sometimes the guilt they might um, feel might not be proportionate to the crime that they have committed. Of course, those people are psychologically categorized as psychopaths or sociopaths. We probably know a couple of those people. There are also people that are also able to subdue their guilt as the Bible has pointed out the, by hardening their heart. Um, the first person that comes to mind is Pharaoh. Now what are, okay, so now I'm throwing out this um, question to the house. What are the behavioral um, patterns you feel when you exhibit or you exhibit when you feel guilty? We all have different behavioral patterns we exhibit when we're feeling guilty. What are yours? Are you asking for like um, the kind of things we do when we feel guilty or the kind of things that we do that make us feel guilty? No, the kind of things you do when you're experiencing a feeling of guilt. Oh, okay. Or what changes in your behavior or pattern when you are having guilt? Yeah. The floor is open. Sober. What does that look like? Like you um apologetic. Wait, is that in English? Sorry, I don't know. Yes, it's correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> feel apologetic. Yeah, that's correct. Like you want to apologize or you yeah, you feel bad, so you want to apologize. So mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. That's my surprise. Anyone else? You know, we have all felt guilty, probably do that every day. Absolutely. For big sins, for small sins, for things we did and things we did not do. So share. What changes in your behavior, in your pattern when you have that feeling of guilt? Sometimes for me, I think it's, it's um it finds expression in me hiding in hiding behind the mask of things like maybe even being egocentric like i know that what i've done is wrong especially in the context of marriage um and i know that the whatever it is that my wife is trying to make me see she's right but just for me to admit that she's right uh, that would be that would be a struggle so rather than just admit, which is easier, actually, I would just choose to 
be silent, be quiet, and even probably find a way to throw a guilt trip or make her feel bad for having done what so is So you bad. rationalize <laughs> your guilt? Sort of, yeah, yeah, I do that. Um, there are times that I, I explain it away and I can explain anything and it will make logical sense. So Yeah. yeah. Um, anyone else? Yeah, some replies on the chat, but I also forgot to say I cry a lot, either wrong or right. <laughs> so I know I would cry. If you were, are you still in my comments? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it was in my mind that I saw your chat. I was like, oh, I don't want to say that now that I forgot that. Yeah. Someone said I become restless. And another one yeah. is I feel okay, the I can see Adiboye. Yeah. Oh, Olaf says you became you become restless. Mm. Um, if he says I feel the need to overcompensate positively in other things. Me too. Um, Precious says I could cry depending on the level of guilt. Mm. Zainab, oh hi Zainab, Zainab, that's my colleague. Oh wow. Everybody, nice um, Zainab. Zainab Waziri is my colleague in the office. She's joining in from Nigeria. Hello, oh, Zainab. Wow. Hey. Then let me let me also add. Okay. okay. I become I become fearful of the consequence. Because mm, mm. I'm like, mm. ah. Then, what if? Yeah. What if? Yes, those what is <laughs> like. <laughs> what if because of this I feel the cost that I'm just writing? Exactly. So you feel them <laughs> fearful. Yes. Probably comes with indecisiveness too. Mm, yeah. Okay, so um, these are some of the things that I listed out. So what are the, some of the signs of guilt? Um, guilt has been associated with displaying signs of depression, anxiety, even symptoms of obsessive compulsive behavior. I do that. I probably start cleaning or start rearranging things I don't need rearranging. Um, these signs can also play havoc to your sleep pattern. You lose sleep to your eating habits. Some gain weight, some lose weight. I wish I could lose weight when I feel guilty. <laughs> yeah. Um, also with your physical body and general well-being and also your social behavior. Mm. Um, some people might display shyness. Some might display... As um, Pastor Ola says, it gets a little aggressive or, or egocentric. And then um, such behaviors um, are displayed in terms of inferiority complex. It's almost um, also often manifested with um, low self-esteem um, or low self-confidence. Also, there's an overcue reaction to most uh, minute incidences kind of close to what Pastor Ola said too. There's also indecisiveness and indecision. I think, I can't remember someone said something similar to that. This will be due to, um, attributed to due to a fear of making a wrong move. Mm. Um, you can also feel subservience. That's um, the act of people putting people's wishes or feelings before yours. Because you feel that yours is not important and it could also be detrimental to yourself, to your well-being, to your health. It could be a means of that overcompensation that Efe was talking about. Yes, it's also a means of, of yes, you're so right. Then it's also important to note that 
when we open, when we feel guilty and we don't handle it the right way, we open ourselves to manipulations and other problems. There are people that will take advantage of your emotional and mental susceptibility and sensitivity to behavioral patterns, as mentioned above, um, by imposing a sense of guilt feelings that are not appropriate or proportionate to the wrongs of actions that we have committed. So basically, when you have that feeling of guilt, you open yourself to being manipulated by people. And there are definitely there are people that will jump on that bandwagon and uh, use it to utilize it for whatever personal reasons or gains they might get from you being at a disadvantaged position. So, um, I'll also throw this question open to the house. What do you do in instances of guilt? Apart from your change of behavioral pattern, what do you do in instances of guilt? It's not the same thing every time. I mean, in my own, in my own experience, there are times that I'm quote and unquote, wise enough to just own up to what I've done wrong and just apologize as the case may be, go to God and say, I'm sorry, I need your grace, I need your strength. Okay. And other times that the rationalizing takes so long <laughs> that you just keep justifying yourself in your mind and just yeah. continue to be stubborn in a foolish, ignorant stubbornness <laughs> of some sort. So yeah, it's either of those and the different extremes that those yeah. two dimensions can go to yeah for okay. me yeah. anyone else what i do when i feel guilty is i um sometimes i pity myself i feel like oh you shouldn't have done that and i keep saying i shouldn't have done that i should have done that and then speak, you say, it's okay. Well, I keep saying to myself, should have done that. Then it, it, I tend to now move towards overcompensating, especially if it's the children I did something to, like I'm going to do now. Yeah, so that's my thank you. Okay, um, if it says I act like I shouldn't be guilty, um, Ola says, after owning up and apologizing, I seek a way to change to avoid making same mistakes. That's nice. Mm. Anyone else? Write okay. a nice message. <laughs> Sorry? Write a beautiful message. That is <laughs> me. <laughs> and make the person oh, smile. <laughs> Mr. Nikki has gone to get a charger because the battery is running. Low. No, it's just shaking a bit. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Shaking. Okay. Why is your adapter shaking? Auntie, okay. I don't think it's plugged in yet because the notification is still on the screen. It is, but um, the data is just not staying firm. Oh, okay. It's moving around. It's got the mind of its own. Okay. 
Oh, did she log off? I think the system went off, so she'll probably join us back um, shortly. While while um, we're waiting for her to be back, I just remembered like an ongoing case of guilt and how I've actually uh, re responded or reacted. Just as this meeting started, um, I saw a message on WhatsApp from someone that is a volunteer um, in the, I, we run a food market project in church. Um, and the person is one of the volunteers that helps out with that. And she came today to help and she brought me Briyani, she's an Indian, and she brought me Briyani, which is like Indian rice or something. I've not even told my wife because I forgot. And she brought it so that she wanted me to go home, taste it, and give her a feedback. She does it as a as a business, like she she wants people to order, and then like she does home cooking and then deliver to people and things like that. So she thought I won't be able to help her advertise until I have actually tasted the food myself. So she sent something to me and expected to get the feedback, but I totally forgot. I got home um, and totally forgot that there was even such a thing. And now I saw a message from her. It's just like an emoticon that makes me know, I'm still waiting for your feedback. And I saw it and chose to ignore it. <laughs> That's one way that I react sometimes when I, obviously when I saw it, I felt bad. Like, oh my God, someone has been waiting on, a feedback about our food <laughs> and i haven't honored that um but rather than go on and say apologize immediately to say oh i'm so sorry i've not even eaten it or in my mind i'm already thinking of the different approaches that i could go with that sorry sister nick i'm just giving a, a light okay. example and yeah, how I've responded to that. sorry uh, for the inconvenience i really thought no, it was charging but it was shaking a bit so it wasn't charging that's fine. Don't apologize. Okay. So um, let's talk about um, the main question now is how do we overcome that guilt, that guilt um, to prevent us from behaving the way we do when we feel guilty, which is to our disadvantage. Um, first thing we need to understand is that God's sole purpose is to give life that we may have it in full, which is God's gift to us. It's free and that gift is unconditional. Now, um, in John 10, 10, it says that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I, God, come that they may have life and they may have that life in full or abundantly. Now, we cannot possess that promise of having life in full or having life in abundance if his purpose is to condemn us. It is his prerogative and his desire to save us from ourselves by taking away our sins and save us through our Lord and personal Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, um, in John 3, 17, it says that for God sent not his son, this very popular verse, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may through him be saved. Matthew um, eleven twenty eight also says that come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy learning with guilt and I'll give you rest. Now secondly, secondly, second way we can handle guilt or how we deal with our guilt is that we must understand that whatever we feel we have done wrong, either by our actions or what we didn't do, 
either by what we said or what we refused to say or didn't say, it's not an atrocity that is unique to just you. For Romans 3, 23 to 26, but 23 here says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So whatever you feel that you've done and you feel guilty for, basically it's not the you're not the first person to have committed that crime. Mm. And every point in God's eye, we've all sinned and we all come short of the glory of God. Now, meaning by God's standard in law and morality, we are all before him guilty. However, we have that grace to be redeemed of our sins. Um, 24 says that being justified really by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. 25 says that whom God has set free to be a propitiation, by propitiation, by anointment, by mercy, through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So whatever sins you have committed or whatever you feel guilty for, God is ready to redeem you of your wrongdoing. We, however, sometimes abuse the um, privilege of that redemption, of that free, unconditional redemption that God gives us by sometimes just justifying the wrongdoings with the concept that we are all born sinners, so we cannot obtain perfection before God's glory. So we just go along sinning and doing whatever we do without consequence. By the law of the society, there is punishment when found guilty of a crime. But what about the ramification of guilt that is not brought before a law, but is before God? Because you feel that you don't have that immediate punishment or you don't go to prison or you're not accused because no one saw you commit that wrongdoing. But definitely God saw you commit that. Now, I'll also throw this question onto the, to the house. Um, what instances or situation have you felt guilty even after rationalizing your actions? Probably by human law or societal law or federal or governmental law, you didn't really see, or you can rationalize that scene. But even after rationalizing it, and you know that by the court of law, you can't be punished for that thing. Well, you still feel guilt even after rationalizing it. Can you give me instances of that? Um, I can give one. Okay. At an interview, I told them I've, I've been doing something that I'm just about to start next week. No, no, I've been doing something that just came to my mind this week that I haven't even started doing. And immediately I did it. I just whispered to myself, while I was still at the interview, am I lying? And I had to cover my mouth like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, it, it's justifiable in the sense that I rationalize. But it's something, it's an action that I, I'd, I'd seen the problem. And I thought the, action, the, the, the response to the problem is what I should do. But I haven't been able to carry, carry, carry it out. But okay, you just I said it, that action that you're still going to do it anyway. Anyway, so yeah, that's yeah. the That's a good example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
any other person yes i want to have a go at it okay uh there was a day I, there was a day i was um i was driving and um uh so the, the the traffic light wasn't working so the traffic warden was there so while he passed he passed um a particular line well, I was supposed to wait, and I knew I was supposed to wait. <laughs> so instead of waiting, as I saw that some people were going, I just joined them and then drove off. I didn't know that the the, the police they were on the other side, just waiting for me, <laughs> just waiting for me to beat the traffic warden. <laughs> so, good. so I ended up, <laughs> so I ended up paying my way out of the <laughs> out of the problem. <laughs> Wow. So, so rationalize your actions that in other people are doing it. So exactly. yeah. Yes, exactly. Anyone else? Anyone else? Kings, where's Kingsley today? Kingsley's you guys, we do this every single day. Don't worry, no Kingsley. one is going to haunt you. <laughs> um, I'm 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 wondering. I think Nito was saying something. Sorry. Oh, okay. Is Nito? On? Sorry, sorry, Pastor. Um, Sister Anna was asking about Kingsley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, our friend, if he had a baby today, so he went to take some food to him. Oh, okay. Um, the same yeah. if he. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> That's nice. That's great. Congrats to her. Thank you on her behalf. <laughs> So um, that's um, there, there's some um, philosopher. His name is um, Immanuel Kant. Mm. Now he describes kids. Basically, he says that um, all human beings are born with that sense of awesomeness. Mm. Basically, meaning that everybody is born with that consciousness of right and wrong that even whether we're Christians, Muslims, or whatever, whether we have known religion or we have never heard of religion before, we just have that innate ability to feel guilt because we know what is wrong and what is right. Now, therefore, we may deny our guilt because of unbelief and in, or unbelief in the scriptures or the gospel of God, or we might rationalize or ignore it because of emotional discomfort that comes with um, guilt. Uh-huh. You know, when you feel guilty, you all have some sort of, sometimes you almost feel physical pain mm. if it's really bad. But now Sproul um, in his book with the same title explains that emotional discomfort is God's way of ensuring our awareness of wrongdoing and they need to rectify it. Mm-hmm. So basically, God has already given you that inbuilt awareness of feeling uncomfortable when you've done something wrong. And also, basically, his way of telling you that you've done something wrong and you need to rectify it. And once, if you don't do that, take that correction, you're not going to feel okay with yourself. Mm-hmm. Also, we often adjudicate guilt based on our own understanding, not God's understanding. Hence, we adhere to human atonement, which is emotionally and spiritually insufficient, but God is not. 
So we might feel guilty about something that we've done, or we might justify and rationalize it with our own human understanding. But even with that rationalization, even with that, we still feel guilty. If that feeling doesn't go away, we, feel, we still don't feel comfortable with ourselves. We still have that feeling of unhappiness. Now, it's only once we're able to meet up with God's understanding of what we've done and go to him for guidance, are we able to let go of that guilt that we feel? Now, in 1 Timothy 4, 16, it says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and also them that hear thee. Hmm. Now, thirdly, the most important is forgiveness. Now, we, are, um, we can only experience true forgiveness by confessing our wrongdoings. By doing so, we basically strip from our accuser the power of guilt over us. Mm. Now, our accuser can either be ourselves, it can be a third person, or it can be the devil himself. Um, now, basically, the devil understands that as long as we are spiritually and emotionally incapacitated with guilt, we are robbed of that freedom to access God. When we feel guilty of something, that grace that God has given us to come before him, that freedom, we don't, we feel that we don't deserve it. So we don't go to him. Now, if we don't do that, that basically gives the devil the right and freedom to do whatever he wants to do with you. Because you're not under that grace of God anymore. Now we can obtain this forgiveness by confessing our wrongdoings to those who we have wronged and ultimately to God with all sincerity. In 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We should, however, understand that just as there are objective and subjective aspects of guilt, forgiveness is also objective and subjective, meaning that the circumstance of being or feeling of forgiveness is based on how you feel, which is subjective, or based on the scripture, which is objective. Now you might rationalize your guilt and feel that you have not you have been forgiven, but you have not been forgiven. You just have that feeling of forgiving. Now, in an objective way, you have come before God and God has forgiven, definitely he will forgive you of your sin. Mm -hmm. You understand that you have done the right thing and you have come before God and he has forgiven you of your sin, but you might still feel guilt. Mm -hmm. So therefore, with real repentance and sincere faith in God comes real forgiveness before God. So even if sometimes we might come before God, and we know he has forgiven us, that we might not feel, we might still feel guilt, but that with that coming before God, we have gotten real forgiveness before God. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So it does, the forgiveness doesn't take the feelings away. It might not take the feelings away, but you have mm. been forgiven. Yes. 
So we can also harness our guilt as a driving force and a means to seek God's forgiveness. And because Christ has already paid the price for our transgression on the cross with his blood. So basically, sometimes when we feel guilty, even if we might have rationalized it, maybe we have come before the person we felt we have wronged and the person forgive us and we don't feel forgiven or we have come before God and we know that God has forgiven us or we don't feel forgiving or we feel forgiving but we're not forgiving. But it basically when we have that feeling of guilt, we can use that as a driving force to seek God's forgiveness. Because sometimes you, when you feel that heaviness of forgiveness, you also kind of feel closer to God because you have that need to come before God. And you're really sorry, you're humble. So it's almost as a driving force and a means to seek God's forgiveness. And also because Christ has paid for our sins on the cross of Calvary with his blood. We know that our transgression has been forgiven. Now, because he's our loving father and he hears us, he's forgiving and he'll wash away our sins and behold, we become new creatures. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, says that therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. But behold, all things are passed away and all things have become new. And because he is a merciful God, he forgives and he also forgets. In Hebrews 8, 8 to 12, but I just focus on 12, says that for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So God will forgive, he also forgives, and because he's merciful, he also forgets. So that brings us to an end to... My, I can hear if you're clapping up this. Yeah. So if you have any questions, you can throw it open. That's interesting. Thank you so very much, Sister uh, Alrighty. Any questions or conversation starters in the manner of speaking? Anna, you wanted to say something. To find the <laughs> I, was, I was going to <clears throat> ask before, um, based on the example I was given about the Briani incident, mm. that um, like trying to differentiate, sometimes you know that you feel because you know what someone expects and you've not been able to meet up to that person's expectation, whoever that person may be, your wife, your friend, your colleague, anything or anyone rather because you've not been able to meet up to that expectation you feel bad i'm wondering is that feeling bad guilt and if yes then what if you've not met the expectation simply because of factors beyond your control and you know it yeah. yourself that the reason why I've not met this expectation is because of factors beyond my control. But still, you can't help the fact that you feel bad, maybe because you love them so much, you don't want to disappoint them. Um, Pastor La, just a caveat. Can you please give us a practical example? No, it it's so much analogy. <laughs> it's, it is um, straightforward. 
Because now it also says that guilt is a feeling that you have committed an offense, even if you haven't committed an offense. Yeah. So it can be something you did or something you didn't do. It might be something out of your control or something you had the control over. But whatever feeling it is, you're just going to feel guilt. Mm. That makes sense. Any other questions, contributions, remarks? All right. Um, good evening, everyone. Good evening, Israel. Okay. Um, I have a question, and my question goes this way. Um, how do we deal with a situation whereby something had happened in the past and um, kind of like a guilt in a way? Yeah. you've prayed about it, you've repented of it, you asked for forgiveness already, uh-huh. you're very sure that God has forgiven you of those things. But then along the line, where why you still living your normal life, the flashes of those past just come and you're just like, I wish I never did this thing back then. Uh-huh. I wish I never did this back then. And it just comes like, does it mean that you've not fully forgiven yourself or do you, do you still feel guilty of those things? And those things are something that you cannot um, erase from your memories. Mm. The flashes comes. It's not as if maybe you're thinking about them or maybe uh scenarios present themselves to you and you're about to do such things but then in your quiet space they just come like flashes and you just regret ah i wish this hadn't happened then so how do you do it such scenario i think that is um it happens to everyone and i think it's inevitable and as um, Sproul suggested that my opinion that you highness that feeling of guilt and does basically use it to move closer to God. Use that emotion to pray to God. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. <clears throat> I, I also think of it from, I mean, to put, to give practical example, Auntie Anu doesn't like us speaking in theoretical terms. Um, <clears throat> So for someone that had, be, that had gone through a phase of an addiction, a negative addiction, say pornography um, and its cousins, like myself. And uh, yeah, and his cousins, has got lots of cousins. <laughs> and indeed, uh, years down the line, many of those kind of thoughts can still come or you just remember, oh God, oh this, oh that. There is no delete button to press to empty, to format your memory card or your hard drive, as the case may be, or your hard drive in this case. Of course, eventually some of those images get foggy and maybe you totally forget. Some others you still remember almost as clearly as anything. And those times, for me personally now, I don't think that even if such memories come, they don't come with that sense of continual or lingering, oh, I wish that did not happen. By God's grace, I think in my own personal journey, it's come to a point where, I see them as beautiful scars that I can always look back to and even probably mm. someone else to say, come see. But how did I get to that point? That's where I'm going. It's a conscious 
training of my mindset to try to make my um, what I have be, what I believe deep down in me because I mean Brazil is saying that you know you've been forgiven, but you 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 feel those things or you remember those memories and then you your feeling and your faith kind of come into conflict. And at that point in time, what I do is to remind myself of the truth. There's a scripture that, there are a couple of scriptures, but a particular one that has stand out to help me make sense of that is 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. And I'll read it from like two or three translations. Um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. In the New Living Translation, it says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Even if we feel guilty, and he's speaking in the context of the fact that you've been forgiven, there is no more condemnation. But even if you still feel guilty, understand and believe that God is greater than how you're feeling. And that God mm. said, I know everything. That is part of the past. I don't even remember this issue anymore because your iniquities will I remember no more. In the Passion Translation, it says, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know, know knowledge. We know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. And he knows everything there is to know about us. He knows me in the fullness of my righteousness and my sinfulness. And he still chooses to accept me as I am and transform me to become more and progressively more like Christ. So it is just that knowing that I continue to remind myself that is not you again. That's, that's in the past. Second um, um, Corinthians 5.17, uh, that is in Christ, the new creature, all things have passed away. All things have become new. So, so just one more translation, the voice translation that I also love so much. It says there is a sure way for us to know that we belong to the truth. Even though our inner thoughts may condemn us with storms of guilt and constant mm. reminders of our failures. I, that's exactly what, what you're describing. She says, in spite of that, we can know in our hearts that in, in his presence, God himself is greater than any accusation and he knows all things. So I relax in this knowledge. I remind myself of this. Sometimes I verbally open my mouth to say it out because I know that when I open my mouth to say something, it nips whatever thread of thoughts I'm processing. And then what I have spoken out becomes my dominant thought. And that superimposes that thought. And if, in a cycle of doing that again and again, it has come to a point where now I look back to those periods as actually deposits of grace, investments of grace, because by reason of being there done that, I've been able to help many other people that are now going through that streets to say, there is an other side. There is an end to this. There is the possibility of you to come to a point where those cars can become gems of grace for someone else so don't beat yourself up there is therefore now no condemnation for those right i think sometimes too in instances like that there might be something that you do or situations that you might in that we trigger those um feelings Thoughts. or memories so Absolutely. sometimes it's less for you to try and identify what mm -hmm. triggers mm -hmm. it and then deal with it yeah Thank you so much. Yeah, go on, Damilari. All right. Um, Pastor took that scripture right out of my mouth. <clears throat> That's from First John 3, verse 20. When we read it from the um 
Amplify Classic Edition said, wherever our hearts, whenever our heart is tormenting, in tormenting self-accusation, make, make us feel guilty and condemn us. For we are in God's hands is far above and greater than our conscience. What I just wanted to add to it is that we must we must just we must learn to rest um, confident in the forgiveness that God promises, mm. and extend that forgiveness to ourselves. So when we extend that forgiveness to ourselves, every time it comes, we have something to um, to silence it or to deal with it because. We know that God has forgiven us. Then also, towards the later part of what the pastor was also saying, that when we remember that it was Aaron that helped the people to make the golden calf, mm, mm. that led them away from God, then you also realize that it was the same Aaron that God chose to be the high priest, to take the people's um, sins and everything to God. Mm-hmm. So, and the scripture was saying so in Hebrews that God is touched by the feeling that God, that the reason why God takes a priest from amongst men is so that he can have compassion because he has once been in their shoes. Absolutely. So number one, we have an advocate with God who has once been in our shoes. So he understands the way we feel. That's why he said he is greater than our conscience. So by virtue of that, he also takes us as priests to also be able to help those that have been in that same shoes and to help them deal with it and bring them the conf- the um, forgiveness that Christ also um, brought to us. So every high priest is taken from among men mm. so that because he has, he has, you know, Aaron cannot point at anybody because he was also with them. Indeed. So it's, it's like a perfect representative of them before God. So that's the same which God does it for us. Like Pastor said, those scars, God used them and weaves our stories and brings out something wonderful from it. I pray that God will continue to us. Amen. That's very rich. I'm also wondering, like, what thoughts we might have about this. In a practical different relationship context, husband to wife, friend to friend, roommates to roommates, housemates to housemates. There are times that in our moment of being truthful to one another, I'm trying to, I love you, let me tell you the truth. And then you go and on and on and on and on and you tell the person the truth. And indeed you are telling the person the truth, but you are multiplying the person's guilt and condemnation. Mm-hmm. How do we tell the truth? without also serving tablets of condemnation or tablets of guilt on the side. I know why you're brightening your eyes. I'm not talking about you. Uh, I know when it's, I know when it's me. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just wondering what practical, what, what that would practically look like. Mm. You have a colleague, you're working together. You've noticed the person doesn't, his mouth is always smelling. Yeah, the example. <laughs> I think well, just for, whatever for me, yeah. what I do in situations like that is that yeah. basically ask myself, how will I want myself to be approached in that situation? Mm, mm, mm. Yes, and then how I want to be approached is how I approach that person, and that generally works for me. Mm, love your neighbor as yourself. Nice. So if you, okay. 
That means so, if you don't mind someone speaking to you actually in the name of the truth, then that means you probably would do the same. Uh, uh, you also put um, logical logic to it too. Okay. Like if you're a brash person and you don't mind someone speaking to you in a brash way, if you don't apply Please logic don't. to that and be diplomatic about it, you probably get a slap. <laughs> so it's left for you to know yourself. If you know that you're not going to be, you're not going to mind someone approaching you and speaking to you in a harsh manner, then you yourself be, give yourself brain. <laughs> Absolutely. That it can't work that way. For well, I think most people are logical and most people like to be approached in a diplomatic way. And don't basically ask yourself, how will I approach or how will I approach myself in a way that I won't take offense? Mm. And that works for me almost 99% of the time. It's beautiful. I love it. Sister Ife. Um, for me, try to. Um, try to speak in love but then my point is even when you're trying to speak in love and trying to speak in a way that you will want someone else to speak to you mm-hmm. people still get um, like you or other people still feel condemned no matter how you speak in love no matter how you speak so quietly and trying to you know this is what I would want you to do to me even the one people still get condemned. I just think um, I'll take from my former flatmate, Kelvin, brother Kelvin. He actually taught me a lot when I was with him. He was the first person I lived with alone. So I actually learned a lot from him. Having to be that, he's a, he's a guy, I'm, I'm, I'm a female. So it, it was difficult to, it was very nice to blend and, you know, he doesn't have issues and all those things. But there are some things that, I'm like, oh, I wish you can just be doing this, or I wish, you know, and then I come, like, sometimes I don't, I'm, I'm that kind of person that I won't talk for a long time, mm. so it stays and overstay, and I'm like, how do I want to present it, how do I want to present it, oh God, I even go in prayer, I'm going to pray about it, <laughs> and so daddy teach me how to present this thing, but then when I present it, I got to understand that even what I'm presenting, it really actually doesn't know it's wrong, Mm-hmm. So no, the what I'm saying to him, he still feels condemned. Like, where? But I didn't like. It's not wrong to me. It's just we it's we we have different. You look at this thing now. It's not necessarily that I'm wrong. It's mm-hmm. just I've, nobody has told me in my life. I don't know about it. So like, it made him feel bad at the same time. Even no matter how I came, you know, to him in love and said. But then it made me understand that. We are from two different backgrounds. We are two different people just coming together. And the way I will see things is not the way you see things. So, but you need to present it. Even if it makes that person bad, you still need to present it. Mm. And even like, then it will make him feel bad. And he will take corrections. Sometimes it will take correction and it will not still change. (laughs) But he will tell you, you know what? I know I'm not still changing, mm. but I am doing a lot to change. So you sometimes you don't see what that person is doing. As and since then I've just learned like that to say sometimes you actually don't just know. I think sometimes when something happens like that, we should just understand that 
sometimes we don't think about it. Mm-hmm. So no matter how you feel bad, let them. I I don't mind emotions. Mm. I'm happy Eliza. If you say something wrong, I would cry. And he's always scared that I'm crying and he's like, he doesn't want to talk again and everything. But then I'm like, let me cry. (laughs) Let me do the crying. You do the talking. Keep talking. If you feel that I need scolding here, I need to be, you know, sized up, size me up. But then he can handle the emotions. And I'm like, please just size me because I won't stop crying. Uh. (laughs) So you just have to understand the person that you have or who you're living with and part-time know how you're able to talk to them and even mm. if they feel guilty or anything apologize on top and probably what i said did not work well but then i'm sorry they would find a way to to make peace with it that's just mm. you can't change anything that's just what i've learned from uncle kelvin so far and i'm happy about that that's that's helpful thank you very much i think i know wants to add something Okay. Just building up from what you uh, just said now, because I was having a discussion with my brothers this afternoon and one of the things that came up was about correction. Now, uh, my question will be in two parts. So the first part is who is allowed to correct someone and letting that back to guilt. I think everyone might have different opinion about something. But if I feel like, say, Pastor Lai is doing something and I think it's not right, it might just be me feeling that it's not right. So at what point will I sort of like walk up to him and say, okay, I, don't, I think what we're doing is not correct. And but I think sometimes we might impose false guilt on someone because I think it's not right. I think she's not right. If that kind of person has like a bit of respect for you or for what you say, this mm-hmm. might feel guilty that what he's doing is wrong, but mm-hmm. it might be just false guilt. <laughs> Mm, that's a very, very interesting one. <clears throat> I feel if you're ever really going to rid yourself of that guilt, you have to confront and confess to that person, even though you're going to keep feeling the same way. Mm. So it's left for you to decide if you want to impose an emotion on that person or not. If you feel the person deserves that emotion being imposed on them or not you rather suffer in quietness in your guilt or your being discomfort than just open up to the person and lay it on the table and be free, free yourself. <clears throat> to, to, to also touch on um, Henry's first question about who is actually qualified, quote and unquote, to um, correct someone else. Um, <clears throat> I'm reading from Galatians 6, um, the first two verses, I think. It says, my beloved friends, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, the one who is in the spirit, which is again, very vague, (coughs) but the one who is in the spirit should seek to restore him in the spirit of gentleness, but keep watch over your own heart so that you won't be tempted to exalt yourself over him. Mm. That's true. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. Verse three, if you think you are somebody too important to stoop down to help another, when really you are not, you are living in deception. I think there is a part that it goes on to say that, um, 
Okay, it is that verse two that was just put in a different way. In some other versions, it says that um, you should also be careful knowing that even you yourself, you are susceptible to be tempted. <laughs> in other words, when you are correcting, uh, the, the general rule of thumb or rule of scripture, not thumb, uh, comparing this particular passage with another passage, I think it's in Romans 14. Um, no, not Romans, it's in 1 Corinthians, where Paul was given specific instruction about someone and deciding a case and more or less judging what they should do, send him out of the church, blah, 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 and things like that. It will go on later to balance that out to say that you don't have the you don't have any business correcting an unbeliever that is doing something wrong. You see someone that is obviously promiscuous, but the person has not said he's a Christian, he's not part of the family of God. You have no business correcting him or her because <clears throat> whatever you are doing, you are living by two different worldviews. But someone that is that you consider a part of you is part of this family that you are part of. Um, that you are supposed to be ambassadors of Christ together, and the person is disreputing or is tarnishing the image of Christ by virtue of his or her lifestyle, even if that is just in a certain aspect of life, and you feel persuaded and led of the Spirit to speak into that, then do it, but doing you do it with this understanding that even you yourself, you are susceptible to error. Even you yourself, you are not perfect. I think when we approach correction, knowing that whatever it is that we want to correct in someone else, there is 10,000 other things that is wrong with us. There is a way that correction will come through in a way that will hopefully be receptible to the other person, because that means you are not talking to that person, like that verse says, uh, in a way that you are tempted to exalt yourself over him. Mm. You are not coming forth from that I ended, I am this spiritual giant, and you are such a weakling. I need to help you. You should have passed this level. This, 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 that, that, that. Of course, there are there are certain contexts and dynamics in different people's relationships with whoever it is, you have their mentor, their pastor, their colleague, or whatever, that can further shape what that will look like based on what you already know about the person and things like that. I mean, there are, there, I had people in my life at some seasons in my life that could call me and tell you, we expect more of you than this. You should have gone further than this. You should be doing better than this. You shouldn't still be making this kind of mistakes. And I won't take that in a very wrong way. <clears throat> and I know that they are doing it genuinely out of love, not because they are trying to exalt themselves over me. But again, there are certain other contexts that you just know that even in, in, in ministering, in pastoring, in leading this, in facilitating that, in doing whatever it is that you're doing, as long as we are passing instructions, whatever that looks like, we must do it from a posture of, I'm not, I'm not there yet. If I was to Paul, with all of his experience and scars and we will come back to say, this one thing I do, I keep forgetting the past and I still keep striving because I've not attained. That I may know him and the power, know what? What, what is there to know again? But he had that posture of, yes, I'm this knowledgeable Jewish man, Hebrew of Hebrew, all of those things. But then I count all of those things as dung for the knowledge and the excellency of him that I may know him. I just keep forgetting whatever it is that I think I've accomplished or attained. And I keep striving for what is still ahead from that posture of onward and continuous growth. So yeah, sorry, I talked too much. But that's that's what's going on in my heart, in my mind about it. Yeah, Please, I just want to add, um, as Pastor was talking, I just want to add example, like practical example, yeah. Okay. Like, 
For example, have you have you even thought about okay, you you cleaned a lot, yeah. You know how to clean. That's what you're good at. You're cleaning very well. And this other person doesn't know how to clean. Let's say Uncle Kelvin doesn't know how to clean. But he does something so very well that every mm. time he's coming back from work, maybe he gets you some very nice fancy cups, some very nice <laughs> fancy stuff. Or maybe language is gifts. Yeah. Or maybe when he comes, he actually asks you how your classes have been and everything. Wow. It helps you with those, you know, like those mental, psychological stuff that maybe no mm. one is around to help you with. And he's asking you, how was class today? How was everything? But mm. then when it comes to cleaning, that's why you, you're not thinking, okay, mm. why are you not cleaning now? <laughs> or, oh, I'm so tired after many weeks. I've not been able to do anything for myself and you're not doing this. But you forget to actually remember those beautiful things about that person yes, and you then focus on that particular problem that they are the, that particular thing they are not doing at that particular time do you even know what they're going through so it, mm. as it, i'm just happy from like I, i'm happy i had that experience for the first time with him and it has really helped me so far till now so sometimes, sometimes something will just happen. You're just going to, 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 and you keep, you keep talking about it and keep talking. And then you, you forget that you're not actually perfect as well. Mm -hmm. You just forget you also have your flaws, like over a million flaws that you're, you haven't even settled for yourself. Forget the beautiful things that person has done. It also, it also brings me to things that we, we, we fail to appreciate it's just appreciation. You feel to appreciate. Mm. Let's say you, sometimes you forget the things God has done for you a long time ago. And yeah. now you, you have one particular problem. And you don't just want to remember those things. Mm -hmm. You're focusing on that thing to say, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm waiting for this. Remember God those things done. that he has mm -hmm. done mm -hmm. for you. And just reflect on them and be happy. And that's, I think, applying it to people around us, it really helps. Mm. And it has helped me so far, and I pray it continues. Thank you, Thank you very much. Beautiful. <laughs> any, any more thoughts? Time to wrap up. <laughs> yeah. Um. Personally, less for me. I, if I have anything in mind with someone, I rather approach the person and speak up. Mm -hmm. than just keep silent and think of the good things the person has done because <laughs> it's not going to help me in my present state of mind and you feel so much better and sometimes that person might appreciate that you brought that up because the person might not even know that the person is doing that and it might also be an avenue for the person to also bring up something that might be in the person's mind too and have been also reluctant or didn't know how to approach you about so it's best to just lay things on the table mm. for the peace of everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much. Should we give a round of applause for sister? Okay. Mm. I know. I think you wanted yeah. to say something. you want to say? No, I don't think so. I just wanted to say, yeah, I'll say it. Um, <laughs> I'll be very quick. Okay. I had something happen to me very recently. Okay. Someone sent me a message listing my some some alleged I'm doing in quotes my finger things that I'm not doing right and da, 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 da. it was full of rants. 
and the the normal me would have just given it back or just ignore as though whatever but but there's a part that i don't think we've mentioned it however it's the holy spirit that teaches you how to respond Sister mm. you know how you say that you feel you feel um free when someone when you when you when you let someone knows what's going on but the thing is we're doing the outpouring but we don't know how much harm we are causing to the person to the, to the other party so when the Holy spirit is in the mix mm-hmm. it makes things easier and sweeter then you, you you kind of let go of yourself like that passage color red color we should put it in that group it's very good how that when you're correcting you're also conscious of the fact that am i am i better am, am i am i coming from a high place so when i responded to the person i I just let go of myself or I let go of the of the justification of what the person was saying. I didn't see what the person was saying to me as what as who I am. I, I addressed it as though this is what you think the situation is. Now let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And we did speak about it. And afterwards, I didn't change myself to suit the person. No, I, I didn't start doing extra. Mm-hmm. I was still the same person, but just I just gave the opportunity for the communication to go on and hopefully things are good. So sometimes it's just not taking ourselves too seriously, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Being willing to be recipients of sharp barbs and things and letting the Holy Spirit guide our thoughts. Then what I do again when I when I get the the rising to retort or to correct is to ask myself, is it really necessary? Am I correcting for myself or for the person's benefit? And yeah, God bless us. Thank you very much. <laughs> and thanks to everyone for all the thoughts and, and contributions. I think it's been a very enriching evening for me personally. And by the time the, the Holy Spirit superintends the margin together of all our thoughts that we've presented there, I think we have something to work with going forward in our relationships with fellow human beings and of course superlatively with our relationship with god guilt is just a part of life on this side of reality the devil will continue to he knows that is one of his best most potent tools in his arsenal to use against the christian and and Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. In spite of the fact that he knows that Jesus will always be there as an advocate, he still doesn't stop accusing. He knows that he's going to lose, but he will still accuse. Because when he accuses us, and uh, it's a two-way traffic, he accuses us to God, he gets shut up. But in accusing us to God, he also makes us feel guilty, and very many times we don't get to shut him up. And so... He wins in a way because that feeling of guilt draws us away from wanting to have that free access and free fellowship with the father. So as long as you are not in talking terms with your dad, it's fine. Even though he knows he will get shut up when he accuses you to the father. You see how how it works. And so it's our job or our responsibility to be intentional about reminding the devil when he brings all those accusations and and guilt guilt feelings as it were um, to you in a way that is making you think of not having a free relationship or open relationship with the father to remind him that it's none of his business it's a family matter whatever is going on between you and god 
-hmm. and you and God can always talk about it and sort it out. It's not part of that family, and it will never be a part of that family. It's been cast out of, of those that have a sort of relationship with God, <laughs> and you have something incredibly super, incredibly more. So don't trade that. And, and, and why that can look like a simple thing to say in practical terms is not as easy. It looks like you going to report yourself. That's the way I process it in my mind anyway. I say I'm going to report myself to God before the devil comes to start making me feel bad about telling me, ah, I will tell God what you've done. Very dramatic mind. But that's what it looks like when, when you are trying to go and say, God, I'm sorry. And the devil is putting thoughts in your head. That, ah, what kind of I'm sorry is that? You knew what you were going to do before you did it. If you were God, will you be happy to hear some of your children come and tell you that they did something that they knew they were going to do? You blatantly disobeyed your father. And, and all of those thoughts are going on like that. But it's my job to nip that in the bud by saying, this. I don't have any business with the devil. Let me just go and talk to my dad. Dad, I've messed up again. And here I am. I'm sorry. Let's talk about it. Help me. I need your grace. And, and on and on like that. And you leave that kind of koinonia, feeling refreshed, strengthened, empowered to continue in your journey. And knowing that devil is just a non-entity, toothless bulldog, moves on to the next person looking for who to devour. So that's that's how I mean in my in my dramatic mind, that's how, that's how the drama plays out. And so far, so good. God is helping us. I think it's in the human to human relationships that I have a lot of struggle personally going on, going ongoing struggle, especially in the context of relationship, marriage, and all that. Um, and it's getting better and better by the day. One of the things my wife has taught me, which has not also come out in the mix of all the things we've said, is um, sandwich criticism. And I think Ife actually alluded to it, whereby you want to correct someone, but in a sense, you first of all come by making them see what they've done very well, appreciate that. And then somewhere in a very, you've, you've already made a foundation for your criticism or correction to then land on. And there's also this part, and then you bring in the... <laughs> And after you've corrected, you also lavish it again with another layer of beautiful praises and encomiums and appreciation. And you're not doing that, not flattery. You're being honest, you're being sincere. So look well at, consider your relationship with that person. Identify the things you are genuinely grateful for and let the person know you are genuinely grateful for that. Let the person know you value him or her. And then in, in the spirit of that value, your correction can come and be received as part of, oh, you value me so much, you need me to be better. And then I will receive that. As opposed to just coming and saying, be better without letting me know I've made any value or any impact in your life. So thank you very much again. I think I am so blessed, so blessed. Thank you so much, Istanike. Next meeting, we're talking um, about a big question. Who is Jesus? <sighs> like it doesn't get bigger than that. Anu's party. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sister Anubi. Have I been adding sisters and brothers to our name? I don't know. Anubi did not seen that or facilitating that conversation. That's in After that, we are going to be incorporating many of our new members to take sessions. So Damila will be getting ready. Praise be getting ready. Um, Brawler be getting ready. Ooh, ooh. 
Um, God is not like names I'm saying. Sister Salome, if you want to. Amen. Be ready. <laughs> and on and on like that. So, yeah. Uh, because we have exhausted our... By the next meeting, we would have exhausted the first plan that we have for the first few months of the year. And then we'll make a, an extended rota for more um, questions in the series. This topics we've been discussing are actually from a series of small, short, short, short books written by R.C. Sproul. Um, and there are about, I think, like 35 of, of them in that series. So there are still many more questions to consider, basically, and we'll get them. So um, let's wrap up. Is there anything I've missed? I know if there anybody. Um, while you were speaking about the devil being powerless, hmm. I remember this is it Portuguese or Spanish saying, they are the saying in the language that when translated to English, that the devil is wise, not because he's the devil, but because he's old. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I don't mm. need to explain it any further. Self-explanatory. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Cunningness, smartness. He knows how everything mm. works. It is well. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Let's pray.